0: Hello and welcome to Car Doctor Radio Podcast. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor. I work for AAA Northeast. If you're new to the podcast, well, thank you for joining us. If you've been listening on the radio, well, the radio program's kind of gone away for a while. Uh, it may be back, it may not. We may just settle on a podcast, which is nothing really to settle about. We've had some good listener experiences on the podcast and we've gotten Calls from people and emails from people all over the world. In fact, uh, one of the last was uh, somebody in China. So, uh, always good to hear from people. We gave away a scan tool, and that really showed where the audience was coming from. We had people from the Carolinas, Virginia, out in California, and uh, we actually just Cut up all the entries and put them in a bowl, and my wife picked out the winner. and And actually, it was somebody right from the North Shore of Massachusetts. So, uh, but it was uh, it was a great thing to give away. It was a, a scan tool uh, from the folks at Car MD. So, uh, thank you to them for allowing us to give that away. And we may even be giving another one away in the future. So. Coming up on this edition of the Car Doctor podcast, we're going to be talking to Ted Ryan. He's the automotive historian and archivist for Ford Motor Company. And the Ford F-150 pickup truck uh, is having an anniversary of sorts. So we're going to talk to him about that. And for 2023, I believe it's in the 75th year coming up. So we'll talk to him about that in a few minutes. We'll also talk about the Ford Explorer uh, we're actually going to do a review on it. And the next podcast we do, we're actually going to do a review of the Ford F-150, but not the standard F-150. It is a hybrid F-150, and it's a King Ranch edition. So it's about as fancy as you can get, about a $75,000 truck. So fancy leather interior, and it has a built-in generator capability, and it has a 30-amp, a 240-volt outlet outlet built right into the bed so you can run some heavy-duty equipment you can use it as a generator to keep your uh, house charged up Um, you could actually you could charge an electric vehicle with it Uh, so you could use the gasoline engine to run the generator that could make electricity to run the electric vehicle. So we'll be talking about that in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, as far as the radio program, like I said, I'm not exactly sure where it's going. Uh, several people have given me some ideas, everything from going to Cave Radio, where uh, I know quite a few people that are broadcasting there, to some local radio stations in Massachusetts. I even got a email from somebody who said uh, they're interested in taking my program on a station out in texas which um which would be great uh, other than i'm not really in texas so uh but we could do it remotely but i really like the idea of being a little bit more local i think that's a little bit more fun uh but be, without any further uh chat about that I'd like to talk about the Ford Explorer. I haven't driven a Ford Explorer in a few years, and although uh, it was one of the best-selling SUVs in the past two decades, it never really was my favorite. It was fine. It did everything it was supposed to do, but the latest Explorer really surprised me in how much better it's become. There are several trim levels available, along with four powertrain choices. Trims include the base, XLT, Limited, and that's what we were driving, the Limited Hybrid King Ranch ST and Platinum. The base XLT and Limited trims come with the surprisingly good 2.3-liter EcoBoost inline four-cylinder engine that produces 300 horsepower and 310 foot-pounds of torque. Our road test was in this surprisingly capable version. The small turbocharged four-cylinder engine produces more horsepower than the old 4.6-liter V8 engine and only a little bit less torque as i recall um the old engine produced about 285 horsepower in and 300 and Uh, 15 foot-pounds of torque, and this four-cylinder, 300 horsepower, so more horsepower, slightly less torque at 310 foot-pounds. Performance is really good, and part of it, I think, is due to the 10-speed automatic transmission. It really matches the engine design and torque curves really well. Yes, you can go for a much faster, more powerful turbocharged V6, but for many buyers, I don't know if it'd be necessary. To make poor weather driving conditions easier, there are seven terrain management systems so whether it's uh, snow, sand, gravel, it all makes it nice and easy. And if you're towing a camper boat or a pair of snowmobiles, for instance, the Explorer's up to the task with the ability to tow up to 5,000 pounds. You can also expect it's between 20 and 28 miles per gallon. Uh, just out on the highway taking it nice and easy, going the speed limit, I actually cracked 28 miles per gallon. I think it was about 28.4 and that was in about a uh, 50 or 60 mile drive. So It is certainly obtainable. My average fuel economy with the Explorer was um, in the mid-20s, maybe 24-ish around that, uh, which isn't bad for a mid-size SUV that can seat up to seven people. I found the cabin quite comfortable with comfortable bucket seats up front that should make for a good road trip vehicle. Our tester also had the second row bucket seats or captain's chairs, which seemed roomy and comfortable. The third row is not terrible, but you can only do so much with this size cabin. It's not like you. this is a Ford... Expedition, it's uh, it's an Explorer. So you put an extra third row back there, it's going to get a little bit tight, but certainly it's okay. Cargo room is not bad with all the seats in use. Uh, with the third row folded, it's quite generous. The Ford Sync system that years ago was one of the most frustrating voice command systems on the planet, has become quite user-friendly and capable. The ride is comfortable with limited body roll. The suspension does a nice job of smoothing out uh, what I would describe as our less-than-perfect roads, and And uh, although it's no sports sedan, the handling shouldn't really disappoint the traditional SUV buyer. Uh, The bottom line is the Ford Explorer is a good SUV. It might not be a great SUV, but it's a good SUV. The interior suffers a bit from some budget cuts and the last redesign, didn't exactly make it a head turner. That being said, if you're looking for a vehicle that's well-rounded, capable, has strong safety features, comfortable seats, and a roomy interior, the Explorer by Ford is worth a look. So certainly that is a vehicle if you want to take a look at it and see what's going on I think you'll find it very pleasing. If you would if you have a question about new cars or you have a question about cars in general, you can always send me an email my work email is jpaul at J paul at Northeast.com, or you can go to aaa.com slash car doctor, and you can leave a question there as well. Some of the questions that we've gotten in recently, uh, someone was hoping for a little insight on an air conditioner issue with their 2013 Chrysler Town & Country van. They had a mechanic take a look at it, and they definitely said it has a leak in the rear evaporating unit. This actually has sort of like two air conditioner systems, one in the front and one in the back. It requires a complete replacement and will cost about $2,500, which they said, yikes. In the meantime, uh, the person, the mechanic, charged the system back up, and the air conditioners seemed to run nice and cold, but then all of a sudden, the blowers in the back of the van stopped working altogether. No air is moving whatsoever, and this all happened within the past three days, and they don't think it's a leak because it happened that quickly. Any thoughts on why the blower stopped moving air? And typically when a blower fan stops working, it's one of several causes. Uh, It could be the blower motor relay, an open fuse, inoperative blower motor, or resistor block. Um, The inoperative blower motor or switch or wiring is probably kind of more one of the things that's more than likely the issue. It doesn't have anything to do with the low uh, refrigerant charge. I don't think that's the issue at all because... uh, I guess the front part is still cool, the back is just not working. So uh, perhaps when they were checking things and looking for leaks, they, uh, they loosened something up and maybe knocked a wire loose on the, on the fan, which is probably the problem. Uh, somebody else uh, wrote to me, they said they recently purchased a key fob for their 2003 Volvo XC70 from an online store. Uh, It said it came with programming instructions. Uh, Unfortunately, the instructions stated that they would need to go to a Volvo dealer or a locksmith. How do I program this remote key fob? Well, some key fobs you can easily program uh, kind of with... Putting the key in the door, locking and unlocking doors, hitting some buttons, and all of a sudden magically it programs. Others require specialized tools and software to perform the programming. And this is the case with this Volvo key fob. You're going to need to find a specialized automotive locksmith or return to a Volvo dealer and have the key programmed. So, you know, sometimes you got to read the small print that comes with uh, some of these online offers and see if it says, you know, how to program it. Is there instructions? And again, some of these, you might get them and you can still save some money. But the idea that you might go to the dealer and the dealer might not even want to do it if it was an aftermarket um, key fob. So they might say, well, we don't do that. Um Someone said they were confused. They were being asked to limit uh, air conditioner use over the summer to prevent brownouts, but were also told uh, it would be best to buy an electric car. Can you explain this? Um, yeah, it is. Um, I've spoken with people who are responsible for the power grid, and they tell me that the grid's capable of supplying more than enough electricity. That is not to say that once electric cars become more than 4.5% of the market, there may not be an issue to help mitigate this uh, potential issue electric cars may actually help uh support the grid and i'll talk about that in a minute but right now depending on how you charge your electric car some people just plug it into an outlet like you plug in a stove or a you know electric dryer or something other people have put uh electric charging stations in and uh recently i got to talk to somebody at uh both national grid in massachusetts in and in a software company that developed a smart meter and these meters act um Uh, in a way that allows the vehicle to charge at off-peak times at lower rates so it doesn't stress the grid out so much. So, you know, at 5 o'clock when people are starting to make dinner and people are coming home and uh, electricity use is high and maybe people have come home and their air conditioning hasn't been on and they're turning the AC up, not a good time to charge an electric car. But maybe at midnight, that's a good time to charge an electric car and the advantage of off-peak charging is it's usually at a little bit lower rate the other thing that might happen in the future is some of these electric cars are going to work as storage devices so you're actually going to be able to store electricity uh, in the electric car battery and if you're not using your car You can sell that electricity back to the electric company just like people with solar panels do where the solar panel makes the electricity it gets sold back to the electric company and reduces your electric rate your electric car might actually do the same thing so pretty interesting stuff Uh, and this isn't the future this is something that can be done now and uh, we'll have to wait and see how it all works out and as it becomes more popular uh, we're going to take a little break and when we come back, we're going to talk to our buddy, Ted Ryan from Ford Motor Company. Well, there's an anniversary of sorts. The Ford F-150 is getting up there in age, I guess. Uh, 75th anniversary of the Ford F-150 or Ford F-Series trucks, I guess. And uh, with us is our friend, Ted Ryan, the Ford historian and archivist for
1: Ford Motor Company. Ted, can you tell us a little bit about this uh, anniversary celebration? I can, Uh, the F-Series debuted on January 16th, 1948, so 75 years, but as part of it, we've introduced a brand new uh, heritage edition for the F-150. The order banks are gonna open on that in July and it'll go into production in September, but it's got your classic ABA paint scheme. Uh, Back when I was growing up, we called it two-tone, where you had the one color, then your mid panel was another, and then you repeated the top color and the bottom. Uh, I remember the classic red and white two-tone uh, pickup trucks. Uh, now that we're in 2022, it's gotten a little bit fancier. We've got anti- uh, antimatter blue and carbon gray, and, uh, but, but the the impact is still there, and, and the goal is to celebrate 75 years of the F-Series.
0: And the F-Series truck
1: still continues to be pretty much the most popular vehicle on the planet, right? It is. It outsells every other truck. In fact, it's the, one of the top-selling vehicles in general uh and it's done a bunch of different milestones but to me that the time period I always look back well I remember them too but 73 to 79 when the f-series became the f-150 and the f-150 became the best-selling truck for those who don't know you had the f-1 was what was introduced in in 1948 and then f-100 later after that and then the F-150 series introduced in, in that later time period. But that's when you get the built Ford Tough moniker. And the uh, King, uh, the crew cab, I want to make sure I get my, my uh, or super cab arrived in 1974. And the F-150 a year later in 75, that's the halcyon period of when the F-series really became the F-series. It became the best-selling truck of all time.
0: And the you mentioned the F-100. The F-100 was one of those vehicles that, is still you see one by the side of the road today or you see one in a parking lot it just turns heads like crazy it is just it is a it is a vehicle that just i don't know if it's the nostalgia of it or the lines of it uh, i think it's, it's the lines yeah yeah, it does. It does a really good job of getting people's attention. I know whenever I see one somewhere and I post a picture on Facebook or Instagram or something, it always gets a ton of comments because people like it so much. And the the F-Series trucks, if you haven't, if you remember kind of being in an F-Series truck and kind of looking back to the very first, the F1
1: version, um, they've grown up a lot too, haven't they? They have grown up a lot, but uh, give me one second. And uh, the the intent on all of these has has stayed the same. Uh, The language around the introduction, I'm gonna read you, so pardon me, here's the opening, Friday, January 16th, 1948. Driver comfort and efficiency were among the primary considerations of engineers and designers who created the 1948 Ford trucks, shown to the public for the first time today. Cabs for the new trucks have been redesigned to assure, I love this phrase, living room comfort. Uh, they provide seven inches great. You know, it reads like the same thing that you would see today when you're trying to decide between your your king cab and your your this and that. And so for, for 75 years, Ford has been finding a way to make trucks that our customers really want because we understand who they are and, and what they need. And that first line that you just read could also be the first line of the introduction of the of the lightning pick. It could. It could. Yeah. You know, uh, everything old is new or everything new is old again, or vice versa. Yeah. And I I I actually, this is some inside baseball. I shared this press release with the Lightning team a couple of years ago when, you know, D Ford, the, the design group, and I said, look at how well we understood. Our customers and what we're telling our customers—they want living room comfort. They want, but a little bit further down, it talks about uh, windshield. Windshield provides this, and your towing capacity. You know, yes, the meat and bones are going to be there, but you got to have the nice sauce on top, and you got to know how to make a truck that that appeals to to your public.
0: And the F series truck—I mean, if it's a if it's a work truck, it's a work truck. But the F series truck still in. Is- in kind of its
1: upper level trims, still shows up at the front of the valet stand. It does. I was joking at my come to understanding moment was calling an Uber in Austin, Texas and having him pull up in a full King cab, you know, top of the line XLT trim, everything pickup truck and five of us got in that truck and we're all comfortable. And uh, he's a, you know, he was a contractor for a living. And he did Ubering at night, but his truck was immaculate and it was beautiful. It's like, okay, this is a lifestyle choice that I can work, but I also have the luxury I need to just relax.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And tell us again about this anniversary edition. Uh, The the paint job is unique. Uh, Are we going to see any other unique features that kind of set it aside that make it that anniversary edition?
1: Uh, There's a couple, and uh, just to make sure I'm accurate, distinct uh, seat trim covers featuring more unique inserts, plus embossing on the console. And when you get to see them in person, look for some Easter eggs. With all the Ford products, there's always a couple of Easter eggs uh, hidden in there that, that you can look for. But the different colors are race red with upper and lower carbonized gray, Atlas blue with upper and lower agate black. My favorite is antimatter blue midsection with upper and lower carbonized gray. Uh, and then avalanche, which is the white with upper and lower, uh, black. So imagine black with a white stripe down the side with another black, uh, uh, toning at the bottom, they're going to be beautiful. They they are, they're, that's a, uh, that's a tuxedo truck. Yeah, it is. When, when I was going up, we called them the, uh, right. the two tones, uh, and that was actually how brand how Ford branded them, uh so the the two-tone I, I i told the marketing team i said we need to bring back uh, two-tone that, that phrasing but they wanted to go with aba so i guess it makes sense ABA is
0: well uh you said the order book's going to open
1: up for the anniversary edition when order books will open in mid-july with production starting this fall so you're not going to have to wait too long after you order uh we have made that mistake of, of opening order banks too soon and uh and having your orders flood in and make people wait a year. So we're going to try well, and share that time.
0: The, the good the good thing is, again, people people are in fact waiting. So, you know, people are happy to get their vehicles. So all good stuff. Hey, yeah. Ted, I want to thank you for taking a little time of your, out of your day and joining us on the Cardock program. Thank you so much for all having right. me today. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for now on the Car Doctor Radio podcast. Again, if you want to try to get a hold of me, the easiest way to do that is send me an email at jpaul at com and uh, i look at my email generally all the time so and i do answer every single email i get so there's no such thing as a silly question people say to me you know is this a silly question nope no such thing as a silly question i answer just about everything and uh, always happy to try to help people so whether it's a car repair problem maybe you think about buying a car maybe you think about selling your car or you think about buying a used car i can probably try to help you with making those decisions as well So until next time, as always, make sure you wear your seatbelt, be good to your car, drive safely, and of course, if you see emergency vehicles by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives.